Stressed about the holiday week? Traveling? Family? Take a deep breath. Through your nose. You just did that with one nostril. Yes, research published in the Mayo Clinic Proceedings showed that humans only breathe through one nostril at a time. This is Pulse Check. I'm Ruth Reeder. Here's what I'm following. Anti-abortion groups are blaming GOP silence for election defeat. A string of losses in the midterm elections has left many anti-abortion groups finger-pointing and debating what messages and messengers they should embrace in a post-Roe era. Some in the movement are faulting party leaders like Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell and GOP candidates for not running harder on abortion restrictions. A new investigation reveals overcharging in Medicare Advantage plans. Kaiser Health News obtained some 90 government audits revealing 12 million in overpayments in the care of roughly 18,000 Medicare Advantage patients. The audits examined billings from between 2011 and 2013. The Government Accountability Office has previously studied this issue and has estimated that 9.5% of benefit claims made to Medicare Advantage plans were unsupported by medical records. This new report strengthens calls for more oversight of the program. And my colleague Catherine Ellen Foley joins me today to discuss the impact on long COVID treatment if the new Congress doesn't approve additional funding for COVID-19 research. Hi, Catherine. How are you? Hi, I'm well. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm really excited to talk about the story you just did on long COVID and funding for long COVID research, which seems like it, it might get stalled next year. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. So I think we saw back at the beginning of the pandemic, lawmakers and federal agencies and private entities were really excited and gung-ho about getting long COVID research off the ground. But now we're sort of two going on three years into the pandemic. And honestly, it seems like a lot of folks have moved on. And in a way, that's good because it means that COVID isn't as devastating as it was at the beginning of the pandemic. You know, now we have vaccines, now we have some treatments, but that doesn't really move the needle at all for people who have long COVID, which is not an acute infection of COVID. It's sort of an undetermined amount of time, maybe a chronic condition after having any kind of COVID infection. And so research interest in long COVID peters out even more. While there was a lot of interest initially, now that we're sort of in the thick of it, nobody really wants to pony up for the vast amount of research that's going to be needed to bring an actual treatment forward. Yeah, your story was digging into this. And one of the things that was so interesting to me is that, you know, there are a lot of people, as I understand it, who suffer from long COVID, a pretty significant portion of the population. And, you know, but this seems to be partially an issue that is divided along party lines. So it seems that, you know, part of the issue here is that we're going into a split Congress. And is it, you know, correct me if it, if I'm wrong, but it sounds like perhaps Republicans are pushing back on sort of future funding for COVID research and long COVID research. That's a really good observation. And I think we could argue that we've seen some partisanship with COVID in in general, right? I think at first it was really easy to sort of rally behind a lot of these companies that are trying to come up with treatments or vaccines, and that was really a bipartisan effort. But now that we've been in this for almost three years, a lot of Republicans are starting to say, you know, we're not going to give any more funding 
to COVID resources or research until we see the receipts of what we've already given funding for. And that's something that a lot of health agencies haven't really been able to answer adequately in Republicans' eyes. So even though Dems have the Senate, Republicans have the House. And so passing any kind of of bill to get more COVID funding, and not just for long COVID research, but for vaccines and for maybe other resources for people living with COVID, that's going to be really, really difficult. Back in 2020, Congress told NIH that they needed to devote $1.15 billion to long COVID research, and NIH obliged, um, as they have to. So they set up a study called the RECOVER study, and that's an acronym for basically an observational study looking at long COVID. And this is what NIH is built to do. They're built to set up sort of the basic research for understanding this condition, which is still a a relatively new thing, even though, again, it's been going on for about three years now. So what the Recover study is primarily focused on doing is setting up like observational trials, just so we can try to get researchers a better understanding of what long COVID even is, because we still don't have a concrete idea. It's not the same like an acute COVID infection where you can look at somebody, test them for the virus, find evidence of the virus and say, okay, this is probably why you're having these symptoms. You know, with long COVID, We aren't seeing that evidence of the virus or we aren't able to test for it with our current capabilities. And the only way that doctors are able to diagnose it by looking at sort of a huge set of symptoms and and ruling out anything else other than knowing that this person had a COVID infection. So that's really what the RECOVER trial is is set up to do, is just conduct these observational studies so they can kind of get a sense of, of what might be going on. But that doesn't necessarily help the folks who are living with COVID and looking for treatments, right? So NIH is starting to do some treatment research in early 2023, but they haven't even gotten to that part yet. So in the meantime, a lot of that work for finding treatments has fallen on the shoulders of small biotech companies or research universities that are trying to use existing treatments to maybe alleviate some of these symptoms. Got it. So basically, NIH will need more funding from Congress to help support these studies if they're the ones who sort of take up this interesting research. Is that right? Yeah, so that's correct. If you recall, NIH was told to set aside $1.15 billion of research for long COVID. And while that sounds like a lot, it's actually not that much when you consider the sheer number of people who are living with some form of long COVID. So while there is A loose definition, there's no concrete set of symptoms or estimates are that you could have hundreds of symptoms of long COVID. And those tend to range from, you know, mild to meaning, you know, maybe your sense of smell doesn't return after several months. Or they can be really debilitating, like some of the people I've talked to for for this story, where it's extreme exhaustion, it's it's new cognitive issues that they didn't have before. And estimates suggest that it's up to 16 million people in the U.S. living with some range of these symptoms after having a COVID infection. So it's not that much money to begin with. And NIH has already allocated about $800 million and change for ongoing research. And that's just not a lot left to continue any of these studies moving forward. So that's, that's a long way of saying, yeah, NIH is hoping that they can get some more money um, in the upcoming budget. 
And then otherwise, it sounds like it sort of really falls on the pharmaceutical industry to like take up this torch. But as we know from other things, the pharmaceutical industry really has to be incentivized to do so, though it is a large population of people. So maybe that will be enough. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no doubt that there is a tremendous number of people who are looking for some sort of solution. But without having a clear understanding of the mechanism behind long COVID, pharma companies are kind of saying, you know, well, we don't even know what we'd be trying to target. So we're not going to necessarily invest in this. And that's kind of the catch-22 of research, right? You, you need research on potential treatments for people living with it. But in order to develop those potential treatments, you need research to understand what is going on. What a complicated issue and really terrible for people who are suffering from long COVID. Thank you so much for joining me and talking through this issue. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Afra Abdullah and Annie Reese are our producers. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Felton, and Sean Zeller. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of audio at Politico. I'm Ruth Reeder. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting, Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening. <laughs>